Welcome to Sigil and Blade, the official Black Candle Games podcast, episode 2 of August 2021. Uh, First off, I just want to jump in and uh, let you guys know what we've been up to. Uh, Podcast is a little late this month because my whole family managed to get the Delta variant, which was super cool. And uh, Ben, you're visiting family, right? You've, You've been away for a bit. Yeah. So risking the airlines at this point. Uh, yeah, was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we got some we got some segments planned for you guys uh, in the next coming months here, uh, along with our news. But um, this month, uh, this episode, actually, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Hell Patrol, and next month we'll be talking in depth about Crucible. Um, speaking of Crucible uh, patrons, you guys will be getting a new Crucible packet this month with updated characters and a new map, um, and then hopefully a preview of some of the art that I've sourced for the game. Um, that being said, the only other thing we've got going on is uh, Ben has kicked off a new Shadow of the Beanstalk campaign for our, our small group, and that's been that's been pretty fun. This is my first exposure to the Genesis system. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a change, I think, for you. Uh, Switching to Fantasy Flight's symbol dice is usually kind of a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning, but I think it'll mm-hmm. turn out pretty well. So I enjoy it. We'll we'll see if my my argument for uh, dice or for numbers and not feelings holds up after we're done, because I I am very wary <laughs> of dice with fucking pictures on them. Just give me numbers, but I'm open to new things. Um, so all that said, guys. Uh, we realized that we kicked off the first podcast and didn't really do it proper. Like we were like, what's up black candle games podcast episode one. Let's talk about forbidden lands. And we didn't actually give you guys proper introductions as to like who we are and uh, you know, our backgrounds, what we do, what black candles all about. So we're going to take our first topic slot of the night to, actually do that uh, properly especially now that the the show has a proper name as well and we don't have to stumble through you know renaming it uh like we did so you know that was like a pilot episode we're, we're gonna do it right this time so it's our session um, zero right session zero we're just feeling things out so mm-hmm. um i will turn it over to ben here for for a bit to let him introduce himself before i blather on about myself you guys are probably already sick of my voice so ben take it away all right, so uh, I'm Ben Menard. Uh, I've been playing D&D for a long time. Uh, since my cousin and I played with my uncle uh, in, I think it was like sixth grade or something like that, uh, for second edition D&D, um, I've done th- a lot of work with, uh, well, work. I volunteer for Bald Man Games at their conventions a lot, uh, playing various versions of D&D. Uh, I run a few custom games at like conventions like a Catacon, smaller conventions like that. And then uh, just met up with Jerry at one point and we decided that we wanted to start up Black Candle. So I've been doing some writing for that now. So what yeah. about you, Jerry? Well, I, I'm not going to let you off the hook without, you know, Ben's downplaying it like, oh, I've done some like Ben has done a metric fuck ton of GMing for Baldman games at Gen Con and in origin. So like Ben's the type of dude who'll put in an eight hour day GMing. So <laughs> let's just, 
let's not pretend you're like, oh, I like games. They're fun. But like you fucking put in the work, dude. Like I would I would never do that shit. I would never run games for strangers because I'm a weirdo. But I, <laughs> hey, I don't. Dude, you got to get that free hotel room and there are only a couple options of how that happens. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, so I won't go into super detail, but my background is I started out um, blogging, really. Like, I played D&D in high school, um, and then I, I just dropped the hobby for a long time, and then 4th Edition came out, and um, I kind of got back into it. I taught my wife how to play, and I started blogging just about our, our games. We had a, a local game with some friends and stuff, and I was really into it, so I was like, I'm going to start a blog and talk all about D&D, and so I did, and that led to being very passionate about it, and um, Obsidian Portal was a tool that I used very frequently. I was very vocal about how great it was. They had a community manager position open. I approached them. I got the job. I was a, I was you know one third of Obsidian Portal for about five years. We had a podcast. We won any awards. I've won five any awards. Um, so that's my like claim to fame. Even though we won't get into my actual thoughts on the any awards. I've done a bunch of freelance work in between all that time for the past decade. I've written for uh, Wizards of the Coast only once, technically. Um, I've written for Schwab Entertainment quite a lot, as well as Cobalt Press quite a lot, because I think they actually put out great 5th edition content, better than the stuff that Watsi's putting out. But again, I'm, I'm deviating. Um, anyways, I've done all this freelancing, and at some point I decided, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing. Um and I don't want anybody to sanitize or scrub my words. I just kind of want to put out content for, like, I just want to make cool stuff that I would want to play myself. And uh, Ben is a like-minded person in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so we just decided to kind of go into this together. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> so interesting. So how we met, right? So Ben and I aren't just, like... uh you know, he's a rando and we make stuff together. Like Ben, Ben is a good friend of mine, but how we became friends is, is kind of, it's, it's weird. Ben, do you want to, do you want to tell the first half of the story? Because sure. Uh, so we had a mutual friend. Uh, I think this was the first year that I'd gone to Gen Con. Uh, and I was in our 30 plus of running games at this point. Um, (laughs) And so he and I decided, hey, we're going to go out for the night because we're done. We just want to relax while we're at this convention, that sort of thing. And he said, hey, this guy named Jerry and his wife are going to this one bar with another friend of ours is also going to meet up there. And so we're like, "Okay, we'll we'll go there, have a few beers, hang out. And um, Mm -hmm. basically uh, what. What I remember mostly from the night is that uh, uh, one of our friends almost got into an altercation with another <laughs> patron of the bar who had way more beer than we did and was harassing Jerry's wife. So uh, <laughs> we decided it was probably best to leave at that point for everyone. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was uh that was, I think that might have been the also the first night that I met uh Rob Schwab. So it was a oh, it was, was a monumentous night. night. Yeah. It was a big night. Yeah. <laughs> there was uh yeah, some guy uh was catcalling my wife and I didn't even know we were all so drunk. I didn't even know what the fuck was going on and then like the next minute I turn around and 
you know, the uh, mutual friend won't name names was like, what the fuck did you say to her? And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? But um, so, yeah, uh, lots of beer. And then uh, Ben originally didn't have Twitter. And then our mutual friend was like, hey, you've got to get Twitter. So he got Twitter. And then he was like, oh, um, yeah, you should hear some people to follow. And I was one of those people. And Ben was like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, oh, it's the guy from the bar. So so that's kind of we we kind of got acquainted over Twitter. But then I started streaming on Twitch quite a bit. And he would always show up in my Twitch streams and became a regular. And I used to get his name wrong all the time because his net handle was some key. But I called him some guy all the time. I didn't know who he was. I didn't put two and two together for the longest time. It's actually mm-hmm. very embarrassing how long it went on for. I don't, we're not even going to mention it, but. I, yeah, I was enjoying every moment of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, thought you it, do... I thought you were doing it on purpose, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you do dedicate your life to trolling me, so of course it lasted longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I think we kind of already answered that. I wanted to cover uh, what Black Candle is and, and why we formed it. I think we covered why we formed it, but. One of the big things we focus on is we want to make stuff that's like that's readable and usable that you can, you know, like just use almost immediately without a bunch of prep time or spending a bunch of time reading. And we're, we're working on, you know, some layout stuff so that my, my I talked about this in the first episode, but the Merc Borg book, I really want to get to a point where if we do a, a big dungeon, we can lay it out the way that the Merc Borg book is with the room by room. So mm-hmm. I'm we're both amateur publishers, but we're both very experienced writers. So we're, we're stumbling through it. We're just trying to make cool shit. That's, that's it really. That's our mission statement. Make cool shit. Um, but so speaking of cool shit, uh, we're going to jump into topic two and topic two is a game that we're working on. This is Ben's brainchild and it's right now it's codenamed, uh, or nicknamed hell patrol. We don't know if that'll be the final product. Um, but Ben, I'm going to let you just, uh, we've talked about Hell Patrol and Patreon updates and we've talked about it. I don't think we've actually talked about it on the blog. We've talked about it on Twitter. So mm-hmm. why don't you, why don't you educate us? Tell us kind of your vision for Hell Patrol and then we're going to talk about the inspiration behind it. So take it away. So what I'm looking for with Hell Patrol is that basically I want uh sci-fi horror uh just a little bit of sci-fi horror some of that old feeling of like sci-fi when you're a kid for kids our age in their mid to late 30s um (laughs) right uh and like uh when i first started working on the project there weren't a whole lot of sci-fi options on the tabletop market it's sort of flooded with fantasy and I, I love fantasy but i love sci-fi even more so i was i was like i'm gonna throw my hat into the ring with that um and see what i can come up with and since we had started working with shadow of the demon lord for basically everything we do is in mm-hmm. that or Morkborg, something like that i wanted to sort of capture the the feeling of playing the game like Shadow of the Demon Lord in a sci-fi setting. Uh, so, 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 what's the? Um, sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you. What's mm. what's the elevator pitch for Hell Patrol? I think 
we're we're kind of talking like people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's assume nobody knows anything about it. If you could boil it down to a nutshell, the the setting or kind of what you want to evoke yeah. with the game. Well, I guess you covered what you want to do with the gameplay there, but yeah, like tell us about the setting. So the Hell Patrol setting is basically uh, human in a humans in a far flung part of the galaxy. It's they've rep- recovered from an apocalypse. They've started to recolonize the sector that they're in. They're making allies, but unfortunately, there's more enemies out there than there are friends. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, alien Xenos creatures. You've got demons spilling in from the void. Uh, traveling from system to system is dangerous. Uh, so you can't uh, travel directly from one star to another. Like faster than light speed doesn't work because when you start traveling through that black void, uh, it starts to warp your mind and drive you crazy. Uh, so they figured out ways to sort of bypass that. Something about stars uh, keep the that area of space safe from the encroaching void. Um, but what I really want from this sci-fi setting, like the, the main style, I want things like Alien. I want things like Doom. Things like the TV show Space of and Beyond. Like that style of sci-fi that is, it feels like near future sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Where you have uh, CRT monitors, uh, clacky keyboards. Um, there's not like the touch interfaces, that sort of thing. That's too expensive to run a fleet of ships with. You want to keep things right. cheap uh, if you want more ships out there. So it's it definitely has, I want the feeling of uh, Demon Lord in space sort of thing. Everything, everything that you're doing is a danger. You're part of a group or that's either like you could be part of the military, a civilian group like the quote unquote Hell Patrol, which uh, responds to critical dangers uh, in the sector, um, that sort of thing. So like uh, I want some parts of it to be like Event Horizon, like you find a lost ship and like hmm. what could be lurking on that ship waiting for you at that point is it did it bring back a piece of hell with it um and also part of it is that each of the races or ancestries in demon lord hmm. terms have their own secrets and so like part of exploring this sector and expanding is it revealing these secrets and what's going on in the larger part of the galaxy and what they can do to help Right, so these humans that you're talking about are they? They didn't. The humans that you would play in Hell Patrol are not Earth humans. They're humans who are from a post-Earth that colonized like Mars or something, right? Yeah, like they've colonized another planet, lost contact with Earth, um, and since they went through a cataclysmic event, they might not even know that Earth exists. And your adventures right. could go try to find the old Earth and find out what happened to it. In your universe, nice. maybe Earth is overrun by demons or was blown apart by some doomsday weapon, that sort of thing. So Right, so so you've kind of got the malleable, not quite the demon lord, but you have this malleable uh, kind of uh, civilization ending event or device or something mm-hmm. that took place that you could kind of customize in your game. Whatever the quote-unquote big bad is doesn't right. necessarily have to be a creature. It could just be some universal event is happening, like 
suddenly one of the sectors, the star collapses and is sucking all the nearby planets into a giant black hole sort of thing. So yeah, nice. it's, it's on the same sort of level that Demon Lord has with that, but not necessarily the Demon Lord. It could entirely be the Demon Lord going from planet to planet, and that's why he's right. cut off the void from everyone. So yeah, it literally could be the Demon Lord. I uh, I really like the retro future vibe. So like from my point of view, I'm I'm mm-hmm. a huge fantasy nerd, right? I'm a <laughs> self proclaimed. I don't I don't have anything against sci fi, but like I just didn't grow up on sci fi. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched a lot of sci-fi. So with with Ben and I building this game, I feel like we have a unique perspective of, like, my sci-fi, my favorite sci-fi is, like, uh, Pandorum, Event Horizon, the original Star Wars trilogy, Alien, The Thing. So, mm-hmm. like, I love that sci-fi horror, but I don't know anything about, like, I've, n- I've literally never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life or any of the Star Trek movies. It's not because I have anything against them. It's just, like, when I get free time and I'm going to go do something, it's usually not decide to watch Star Trek, but, you know, mm-hmm. what for whatever reason. So Ben is super into sci-fi, so we kind of have these unique kind of views, and you get this pretty cool mix. I don't want to talk a bunch about, like, what we've met about or what we fleshed out because people like to hold you to say things that you say on podcasts forever. And I don't know where this yeah. game design journey will take us, but I think it's, I think we're going to make some pretty cool shit. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be great. I'm pretty excited for it. Cause I think it's just going to be a fun sort of sci-fi space game that in the sort of stories that I want to tell. Right. In sci-fi. So, and right. yeah, and like the, you and, said, things could change at the drop of hat i think we've gone through like three or four iterations of ideas for the basic uh paths at this point right for for the original paths as well as uh, some of the ancestries but i think we're i think we're landing on on solid stuff um Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's that's a little bit of background on hell patrol and uh like i said you guys know that Crucibles, my brainchild, we'll talk about that next episode a little bit the same way we talked about this where we go into some inspiration and some design goals and things like that. But um, we will uh, jump into the final topic for the night, which is uh, a thing that we're, we're both passionate about. Um, and that's uh, this was brought up by Ben a few weeks ago. Wanted to talk about making mechanics and descriptions satisfying in role-playing games and since it uh since it's you know ben's topic ben go ahead and 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 elaborate for us so what i'm looking at with this idea is is that when you're sitting down at the table you're rolling dice you're playing the game like whatever game you're playing when Mm -hmm. you're playing uh what about it makes it feel good like is it the story you're telling that sort of thing. But the thing that, that I like to focus on are the mechanics of the game. Like I, I read through all the books and like, how do you play the game? And like, how can I use these rules to make interesting things, that sort of thing. But looking at the core mechanics of the game, what is satisfying to people? What makes me feel better when I'm rolling those dice? And the best example that I can think of for this is the crit mechanics for D&D. It's mm-hmm. gone through several different iterations 
first through third were basically roll 20. Uh, if you do that, you roll your dice and then double whatever number you get, adding your stats and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, that's pretty satisfying. You get your 20. Uh, there's some minor changes between those additions mm-hmm. that change it a little bit. But then you get to fourth, where when you roll a 20, you just take the maximum number on your die. Right. Um, there might be other sort of things that happen with that, but I'm just looking at the dice mechanics themselves mm-hmm. um, uh, as the core rule. And then in fifth edition, they went sort of back to what the early editions were, where instead of just doubling whatever final number you get, you double the amount of dice you roll and then add your static bonuses to it. And of those three options, what I find the most satisfying to do or to use is the fifth edition ones. Just because I like rolling dice. and Right, who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. And it's like the first through third mechanics for crits are technically better for the player especially the third edition ones, the way that you can sort of stack crits and that sort of thing mm-hmm. is it's a technically a mechanically better system, but it's way more satisfying to roll uh, like 66 as a rogue as opposed to just doubling 3d6 plus five or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that just doubling it or like the fourth edition where you just do max damage is like, eh, I yeah. mean, it's reliable. It's cool. You know what it's going to be, but is it, is it, interesting yeah. or it's not really interesting know. because like if you're rolling a d6 weapon one out of six times you're getting a crit like right it, it, it you run into that situation too much that it doesn't feel good anymore and but you don't want it to like never happen either which yeah in earlier editions with when you were trying to uh confirm a crit when you had yeah, i was gonna say crit confirm what a bunch yeah. of shit yeah that it's like well i i got a 20 but did i really crit sort of thing and that sort of takes the wind out of like you rolling yeah. that 20 so yeah. i for that the fifth edition is like that's like the perfect example of a satisfying mechanic uh in a game mm-hmm. but like i also want like if you look at games like um I want to say uh, it's like the Star Wars D6 game, the old West End Games one, mm-hmm. or um, Savage Worlds, where you got to you get exploding mm-hmm. dice. Like yeah. that's fun as that's fun as hell too. Like uh, to the point that like if you're the DM, you're like, okay, you got your number to do whatever. Like you can stop rolling, but the players at the table, are like, no, I got another one. I can keep going. Like yeah, <laughs> I, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Dice are hot tonight. I can just keep rolling and see how high I can get. That sort of thing. Yeah. Hmm. No, that that is a that's that's a really good feeling. And I I think it depends on the system. I think I think both of those systems really lend themselves well to exploding dice. Like Savage World is really I would call it a very cinematic uh mm-hmm. game because it focuses so much on like kind of just like mowing down a bunch of mooks and then maybe there's a big bad guy with a name and you know whatever and there's car chases and and shit like that but Star Wars 2 the same thing like you're you're mm-hmm. kind of like the odds are stacked against you uh-huh. and you know rolling all those sixes is like you know it's like landing that shot that blows up the death star like that's that's cool shit yeah one of my, one of my favorite ones um is well there's two so I really like the stunt dice 
in mm-hmm. Dragon Age RPG or the age system in general because, well, first of all, mathematically, and I guess we could debate this too, whether mathematics are satisfying or even if maybe mathematically it's not balanced, but it's just fun to, it feels fun to play, is um, the stunt dice in Dragon Age, you know, you're rolling 3d6. That's a nice bell curve, uh, you know, from from 3 to 18. But if you roll doubles, you generate stunt points. And so stunt points are like if you're a magician, maybe your spell's empowered or you get some of your mana points back or you can hit multiple targets. I don't. It's been forever since I played mm-hmm. Dragon Age. I just know that if you roll doubles on those dragon dice, you get to do cool shit. And so every time you play, every time you, you roll, there's a, there's a chance that you get to do cool shit, which is... You know, it's not quite as iconic as a critical hit, which has mm-hmm. permeated gaming culture since, you know, its inception. But, like, it's really cool to have you got, like, martial stunts that you can do if you if you get stunt points or you got spell stunts. And I think there might even be stunts for social encounters when you're role-playing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really cool. And then another one that's newer to me that actually Ben has introduced me because we played... Um, I played the Star Trek RPG that Ben ran, the the one that Modiphius did, and then we played Conan as well. So basically the 2D20 system. Mm-hmm. Um, 2D20 system, it feels nice to roll two 20-sided dice all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, not just that, the momentum system that's built into that game where, like, even if you're fucking up, right, every time you do something, you're building momentum, and eventually, or not eventually, but kind of calculated, you can cash in that momentum and say, like, well... My dice have been shit all night, but we've built up this much momentum. So I know when I take this next shot, takes this next swing, whatever it is, that it's going to hit or it's very likely to hit. It's going to be satisfying. So, like, I know I've played with people before. I don't know if you've played with people like this, Ben, where, like, say their dice aren't hot, right? They're just – they're not even hot. Their dice are dog shit all night, and they just get so downtrodden. They're like, well, why should I even try? I guess I'll just – float down the river and they turn into fucking Eeyore and you're like, we're still trying to kill orcs, man. You still got to roll the dice. Like even if they suck, you got to roll them. So like, I feel like the 2d 20 system really helps, uh, people who kind of get into those ruts. It's a good system for, you know, like even if you did bad, there's still some good. Right. So I think you'll like the Genesis system then because their advantage setback system is a lot like, uh, the Dragon Age RPG, where you can spend advantage to do certain things. It lets you be a bit more narrative with it, but it has a full list of things that you can choose from. Uh, And uh, things like you can spend them on are giving uh, boost or setback dice to to enemies or boost dice to your allies. Uh, Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, like, if if one person's rolling hot and the other person's rolling like dog shit then the person rolling hot can help out the other person. Yeah. So I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. So, so here's the, here's the question then, and Mm -hmm. we can pose it to one another. We can pose it to anybody who's listening. What is more important is, is the feeling that you get from a die mechanic more important than the, uh, the mathematical balance or, or beauty Mm -hmm. or like what, you know, the, is it form or function in this case for you? For me, uh, it's it's definitely going to have to be the thing that feels the most fun when I'm doing it, because like because like what I said with the D and D crit mechanics, like technically the early crit mechanics are mathematically better, but like mm-hmm. uh, the fifth 
fifth edition of rolling extra dice like even if i'm rolling ones on those dice and like oh Mm -hmm. i rolled a bunch of ones i'm still like i feel good while i'm rolling it sort of thing and that feels better to me right i think another thing that people do and this is a little off topic but with D &D, I've, i've seen a lot of people on twitter and they talk about like monster math for D and D and people that use the average damage mm-hmm. all the time. Like, oh yeah, well I know a cobalt hits for four, and mm-hmm. I just I remember seeing like seeing that for the first time and thinking like, wait, do people use the averages? Like I've never used them. I've always just rolled the dice because that's the exciting bit, right? Is this is this cobalt gonna fucking poke me in the ankle or is it gonna gouge my eye out? You know what I mean? Right. Um, that's that's I mean I think that goes back to our design philosophy. I know that a lot of people like really consistent, really predictable stuff. But like, I don't mm-hmm. feel like there's fun if you're not risking stuff. So it just kind of blew my like, and then I tweeted about it. I was like, wait, do people actually use the average monster damage? And a lot of people were like, yeah, uh, why wouldn't you? And I'm just like, <laughs> what? And like my mind's just being blown every reply that I get. Uh-huh. So I, I guess I'm a weirdo. I don't, I don't know. Well, so I'll use the average dice for monsters when I'm running a con game and I have a four hour hard limit. Oh, well, yeah, totally. I, that like, makes perfect sense. If I, if I need efficiency, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, if I'm sitting at the table, uh, a lot of the times for the big bad guys, I'll roll dice for everything. Cause I mean, you got to roll them for the spells anyways. Like most of yeah. the time something has spells out there. So yeah, I like rolling the dice. Like that's, the, I don't think if they had dice rolling in RPGs, I, it would be nearly as fun to me like <laughs> well yeah yeah no i agree i agree it's a good thing we agree on so much i know uh, right <laughs> it uh, would make this partnership real hard otherwise <laughs> right it'd make this a real combative podcast as well too like let me fucking tell you why you're wrong um so so that's it for topics for for the the evening you guys for this month um we do have a couple real quick mentions we want to put out there for some notable Kickstarters uh, that that are still going to be going by the time this goes up. You should still have time to check them out, maybe. Um, and the two that, well, I guess there's two Kickstarters, but another thing we wanted to mention, sorry, this was almost a topic, um, is the Fallout RPG came out uh, in August, and it's pretty faithful to the Fallout video games. Like, you can mod your weapons, and it's got all the same, the special uh, stats, and it uses the 2D20 system that Modiphius is famous for. Does it have a momentum type mechanic in there, I'm assuming? The, it is. They, it's slightly changed and they call them action points now. So they, okay. do, yeah. they do a little bit more than momentum did okay. for the other ones. So like Modiphius does, they take their 2D20 system and sort of massage it right. to work. They something. reskin it as, mm. as to how it needs to be but yeah ben ben picked that up he's he's read over a bunch of it i know we rolled up characters at one point i don't think we ever actually ended up playing but that was back when it was uh still being tested yeah yeah but if you're a fan of fallout uh you should you should check it out so my question ben is it is it more fallout bethesda era or is it more fallout you know when it was still good so a lot of oh i went there you went there. Uh, a lot of the flavor is still Bethesda Fallout. So, like, it, the vaults are all experiments is probably the best example. If you choose a vault okay. dweller, they want you to talk to your DM about, like, what experiment was going on in your vault. Or if it was a control one. But you could so easily switch it to 
the original Fallout series that uh, you can set it. And I think their focus is on the Diamond City area. Like you get a map okay. with that. So it's it's Fallout 4 setting wise. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, it's Fallout. The mechanics transfer to all of them. Like you could easily right. be in the Mojave Desert doing right. stuff there instead. So. Um, so the other two topics are, uh, or not topics rather, but just mentions, uh, a listener, uh, shot this one my way. It's called stingers and spores, and it's a Kickstarter for a savage world setting, uh, kind of all based around insects. And I believe the, like the player archetypes are a bunch of, uh, different insects. So you've got like hoppers and flies and flutterers. So like you know, flies are, they're kind of like nimble, right? So you can house fly, mosquito, the flutterer archetypes are like moths and butterflies and stuff. And normally I'm not super into like, you know, settings where you like play as mice or you play as dogs or whatever. But I think insects are just gnarly enough that I'm into this because the artwork is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes to check that out. And then the other thing worth mentioning is uh, this is pretty this is pretty big going around uh, Twitter this past month is the Herbalism Primer Kickstarter. And it's this big, uh, beautiful book full of full-color art on all these different plants. And it's basically like a guide to magical plants. So it's it's system neutral. It doesn't, it doesn't pertain to any one RPG system, but it does have like adventure seeds and campaign ideas. And you could use it if you're a GM. You could use it if you're a player and your character is an herbalist or some kind of alchemist or you know uh, anything to do with the arcane really and it's just kind of this big beautiful book about plant magic so if that's a thing that interests you i know that it interests my wife she was like oh you should back this because she's she's all about the nature so um it's got some pretty affordable backer tiers as well so i would say check it out if that sounds like it's up your alley but um i don't know i think i think that's it you you got you got any uh, final words of wisdom, Ben? Uh, not currently. Just go out there and enjoy whatever mechanic you can find. Uh, I th- think if you leave in the comments or send us a note about what mechanics work for you and what you think work well, that'd be great for us to hear. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, everybody, that is it. Uh, we will catch you guys again next month at the end of September, and we'll see what September has brought us. But until then, take it easy, everybody. 